0: Okay, you can be seated. Kids, you are dismissed. To the back, if you aren't already sprinting out there. Uh, Well, as you can see, Pastor Craig is not here. Pastor Craig is actually in the Dominican Republic with a small contingent from our church. They are exploring different missions options and trying to uh, broaden a partnership that our church has with the Dominican Republic, but we are grateful this Sunday to welcome a guest preacher in Craigstead. His name is Caleb Wire. He is the youth pastor at Crossroads Church in Woodbury, and he'll be continuing our series, uh, "The Journey," which is the kind of seven spaces that Jesus went to before he ultimately went to Jerusalem to be crucified and, of course, resurrected. So. Please give a warm and vociferous Maple Grove Covenant welcome to Caleb Wire. Thank you, Sam. I'm very impressed by his vocabulary. He's using a lot of big words up here, and I'm like, he's an educated man. But thank you. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. Like Sam said, uh, I am the campus youth pastor in Hastings for Crossroads church, and I've been there for about uh, the past year and a half. I'm going to take off my glasses because the glare from these lights. I can't see any of your beautiful faces. You guys look amazing this morning. But uh, before I was at Crossroads, I went to North Central University where I took ethics uh, with Professor Case, and I gave my best effort and got a very pronounced B in the class, (laughs) but it was enough to get an invitation to share his pulpit with him, and for that I'm very grateful, I'm very honored. Professor Case is one of my favorite professors, I have nothing uh, but great things to say about him, and my sister is actually a sophomore at North Central now, and she is, uh, uh, Professor Case is also her favorite professor when We walked in today, she's like, I need to schedule another class with Professor Case this upcoming fall. I was like, are there any more you can take? She's like, I can take English. I already took it, but I want to see him again. So you guys have an amazing pastor here, and I'm very honored that uh, he would uh, let me come and share with you a message uh, that I have this morning. And I believe uh, God is going to move and uh, that he has something for all of us, including myself this morning. Uh, Today, uh, the title of my message, if you like to take notes, is called The Big Hole. And if you like to take notes, I'm going to tell three stories today. One is my story so you guys can get to know me just a little better. One is God's story, and then the last one will be our story. And what you need to know about me is that I am from Nebraska, the good life. But the good life is also the boring life. There's not a lot to do in Nebraska, and that's why I'm going to tell you a story uh, about something that wasn't very boring that happened. Uh, when I was in the eighth grade, my best friend's uh, name was Reuben, And Reuben and I, we were very bored because we're in Nebraska, and we're sitting at his house, and we make the mistake of complaining that we are bored. And his dad overhears us and says, You know what? Since you guys have nothing to do, how about you go down to my brother's junkyard and help him out with a few things, and who knows, maybe he'll even pay you. So we grumbled, and we got in his dad's car, and he took us down to his dad's junkyard. And we go, and we knock on the office door. His uncle's name is Emilio. And we said, Emilio, we're here to help you. Uh, Ruben's dad sent us down here, your brother. And he said, okay, here's a list of things that you can do for me. It just included collecting some things, cleaning up some things, just some grunt work that you give little eighth-grade kids to do when they complain that they're bored. And he says, you need to know two things. One, watch out for my pit bull that I keep around here to protect the junkyard. Because people come in, they try to take my stuff, they try to mess with my stuff. Kids come in here, try to hang out. I have a pit bull. He's very vicious. And he says, number two, look out for the bottomless pit. And me and Ruben were like, dude, your uncle's crazy. And so we go out there and we start doing all these things. We start checking off the list. We're doing our thing. And all of a sudden, we walk up on this hole in the ground. And this hole is probably about as big as this rug, but it's round. And we go up to the edge of it, and we're like, I guess this is what he was talking about. But there's no such thing as a bottomless pit. The earth is round, like it would go through to China or something. There's no such thing as a bottomless pit. So I pick up some gravel and some dirt, and I toss it over the edge. I don't hear anything. I'm like, no, no. There's no such thing as a bottomless pit. And so there's this big iron bar sitting over here. And so I pick it up, and I go, and I toss it over the edge. And we don't hear a sound. I'm like, Reuben, dude, come on. There's no such thing as a bottomless pit. Your uncle is crazy. Where would this even come from? Look. And there, there was this Volkswagen Bug that was completely stripped apart. It still had the wheels. I said, Ruben, you get in and pu- uh, get in and steer. I'm gonna push." <laughs> so I get behind the Bug and I push and I push and he steers it and then he gets out and he helps me push it and we push it to the edge and it falls in this Volkswagen Bug. Then all of a sudden. <laughs> I turn around, and this pit bull is sprinting at me. Now, in the eighth grade, in junior high, I was a pretty athletic person. So I'm looking at this dog, and just right at the last second, I just give him one of these. And the dog jumps into the hole. And Ruben and I are like, What? He gave us two things to look out for, and we found them both, but one ended up in the other. And so we finished the list because we're like, we might as well get paid out of this experience. And so we finished the list. We go back to the office. He says, Uncle Emilio, we got this all done. He pays us. And we're like, oh, we got to tell him. So we go, Emilio, uh, we found your dog, but it jumped into the bottomless pit. And he goes, no, no, that's impossible. He was chained to a Volkswagen bug <laughs> Now that story that 's a joke that 's a joke that did not happen. That did not happen. But all three stories, uh, uh, all three stories have points today, and the point to number one uh, this number one story is this holes are no bueno. If you're taking notes, write that down. Holes are no bueno. That is Spanish for holes are not good, but I want you to write no bueno because you'll remember it. Not that you'll never forget the bottomless pit story, but holes have no substance in them. There's nothing. There's no support in holes. Uh, many of you have noticed all of the potholes from this winter. They damage your car. They don't feel good. When you step into a hole, you twist your ankle. Uh, holes just aren't good, and that's the point to story number one. And now, I know, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna pray right now, because some of you are pretty mad at me for killing an imaginary dog. I know some of you are gonna come up to me, I can't believe you did that. Well, I did it. It was a story. But I'm gonna pray. Jesus, thank you so much uh, that you are so creative, that you are the creator, that you use stories uh, to help us find deeper truth about ourselves and about you. God, thank you so much for telling us Uh, The story about the rebellious son who disrespected and dishonored his father and left him, but when he came back, the loving father was there to accept him. God, thank you for telling us the story of the hated Samaritan who helped the half-dead Jewish man um, paid for all of his well-being with his own money. God, thank you for using stories that move us uh, towards your heart and who you are and who we are. So, Jesus, I pray that these next two stories and this uh, first one are just filled with so much truth and that we get to know you better today, um, and then we'll know ourselves better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I'm going to go with story number two now. Story number two is found in Matthew 20. It's going to be on the screen, uh, but if you'd like to read along in your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 20, uh, verse 29. And we're talking about Jesus. You guys are talking about Jesus um, in this series. And I love Jesus because Jesus' uh, life on this earth are full of amazing stories of Him doing incredible things. And ultimately, obviously, dying on the cross and raising from the dead. And right now, uh, we're going to read the story uh, starting at verse 29 in Matthew 20. And I'm just going to read it word for word here. I'm reading out of the NIV. I think the NLT is going to be up there. They're very similar. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. But the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the aloud, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Now I'm going to tell this story again without just reading it uh, word for word from here, because what I've found is that oftentimes in my life and maybe in some of your lives that when scripture gets read, uh, it can be easy to be distracted or maybe to check out or maybe for the stories uh, that are written down so long ago to feel for us to feel uh, detached from them like they're not real life because when I read that Jesus touched them and healed them there were no audible gasps as when the dog jumped into the hole Right? And isn't that just as amazing? So I'm going to tell this story again. So Jesus, in a real life type of way, because we believe this is real life, that Jesus walked this earth with people just like you and me. So Jesus was walking along with his best friends, his disciples. He's hanging out with them. And because Jesus was different than other people, because Jesus was intriguing, because Jesus spoke with authority and did crazy things like perform miracles and cast out demons, pretty sure the people in the area heard that Jesus is by so crowd started to walk with them. And as they're walking around, I'm sure there's a commotion. These two blind men are sitting there. And these two blind men always sit there, as we see in Mark. uh, This story is also in Mark 10. These blind men are always there. And they put together, through listening and hearing about what's going on, that Jesus, the one that they've heard about, is close. And so they start to call out, Lord, Son of David, Lord, your authority, they're calling out his authority. Son of David, they're giving him honor, that he's royalty. Have mercy on us. But the people in the crowd notice these two men. They're making them uncomfortable. These two men are being disruptive. They're not like everybody else. Shh. Doesn't want to talk to you. You don't beg from this man. Do you know who this is? But it says they cried all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. I want to take a quick side note. Because in, in my time as a youth pastor, in the past year and a half, I, I've, I've observed something, something very true about this little part of the story. And that's this those who are the most disruptive often have the most desperate need for Jesus. That my students who are most disruptive have the most desperate need for Jesus. And I wonder if that goes the same for that obnoxious coworker that you have or that person that always wants to speak to your manager, or that kid in your class that's always throwing chairs and whose parents always just blame it on his allergies. It's just his allergies. No, your kid needs Jesus. That's what your kid needs. And so the people in our lives, maybe the homeless person, maybe the person at your work or in your school or whatever, often the most disruptive people are the ones who desperately need Jesus the most. That's just a side note. That's just something I got from reading this. But anyways, back to the story. They call out to him. They rebuke him. They call him out even louder, and Jesus turns, and he asks a question. What do you want me to do for you? Now, we're talking about the God of the universe here, the all-powerful, all-eternal, has all resources at his hands. He he comes to these blind men, the lowest people in society, and he says, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, we want to see. It says that he had compassion on them. He touched them. They were healed. And immediately, they followed him. Now, I want to talk about the two men's posture for a second. I kind of noted on it, the words that they use matter. Lord, You have authority over us. You are above us. God, we know who we are, and we know who you are. Lord, Son of David, you are royalty. You are all-powerful. We know that you can do amazing and incredible things. Have mercy on us. See our situation and have compassion. And so the point for story number two is this. Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? We see Jesus ask that question here in this story. And that's important. I'm going to tie it in to story number three now. Story number three is our story. Our story, to tell it, we have to start at the very beginning. At the creation of the world, at the creation of mankind. God formed people, formed you and me out of the dust and breathed into us and created this beautiful world to experience with us, to walk us through, to show us. And Jesus says it in Matthew that the greatest commandment, our greatest purpose is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Basically, everything within us was created to love God. Everything that we do, everything that we experience was created to do it with God, in partnership with God, and then in partnership with people as we show God's love to others. But there came a moment in history where people decided that we didn't need that equation, us plus God exploring the world. Where at a point in time, at the very beginning, not long after the beginning, Adam and Eve decided that maybe we don't have to do this thing without, with God. Maybe what he said was not true. Maybe he was lying to us. And so they removed God from the equation and created this space, this empty space, this hole, if you will, where God was supposed to be, but then they filled with something else, which was the knowledge of good and evil, the forbidden fruit. They decided that belonged in the equation more than God belonged in the equation, which created a ginormous, bottomless pit. And for some of us, if you don't know who Jesus is, if this is your first time in, if you haven't decided to follow Jesus, maybe you feel that hole in your life. Maybe there's an emptiness inside of you that you feel. And Maybe for some of you in this room who have said yes to Jesus, I'm going to follow you, I believe you, I want to do this thing with you, I want to do life with you, I want to experience my world and my family and everything with you, there still might be little parts of your life just little things that you've said yes to Jesus, but there's still those little things where you've removed God from the equation and created this space. And if you're in that first group of people who maybe never said yes to following Jesus, I know, I know this for a fact, that before I started following Jesus, I would try to fill this hole with things, with things that were not God. But for me, the most prevalent thing before I started following Jesus, was girls. I thought that relationships would fix this hole, would fill this hole, would make me fulfilled, would give me life, and so girl after girl I dated, or had relations with, or whatever, and girl after girl I would toss into the pit, metaphorically, okay? Don't call the police. I don't need a Netflix crime special, the little brown boy in the bottomless pit, like, Metaphorical hole, okay? I was throwing girl after girl into the pit of my emptiness, just waiting to see if they would hit the bottom. And for some of you in here, if you haven't had that relationship with Jesus, maybe for you it's your career. You just keep working harder and harder, throwing more and more hours into this hole just so you can feel something. Something. Or maybe for some of you, it's substance abuse. It's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs or prescription pills that you keep throwing into this hill or into this hole just waiting for it to hit the bottom. Or maybe you fill it with good things like your education, with your family, or with your relationships. We keep tossing it into whole. Or maybe you have decided to follow Jesus, but your career maybe just isn't doing it for you. You're not very successful. Or maybe your relationships with your kids maybe aren't that successful. Or maybe your marriage is on the rocks, and you just don't know what to do. You guys have been going to counseling. You've been putting in more hours at your career. You've been buying your kids things, but you have yet to do the one thing that matters. And this is the point to story number three, is this. A God-sized whole requires a God-sized God. God is eternal. God is beyond our understanding and our imagination. There's no way for us to understand him, and the things of this world came from him, but they can never fill the void that is left when we don't ask him, invite him, into these spaces in our life. And so the point today, the overall point today, is that Jesus wants to do life with you, all parts of your life with you. Not just an hour and a half on Sunday mornings or an hour on Wednesday nights, but he wants to invade and saturate your job, your family, your education, your relationships. Because we were meant, we were caused to be created so that we could have a relationship with a God sized God. And when we remove him from the equation, we're left empty. So today I want to marry the stories. One, holes are no bueno. In real life, in the physical world, and in our mental and spiritual lives, and in our relationships, holes are no bueno. Number two, God is asking you, Jesus is asking you, to those who are humble... To those who see him for who he is, he's saying, what do you want me to do for you? And if your answer today is, I want you to fill this hole in whatever area of it is in your life, maybe for some of you, it's for the first time, you just want your soul to be filled up to do life with God. For some of you, it's in your marriage, in your job, in your career, in your education, whatever it may be, you have these holes. Jesus is saying, what do you want me to do for you? Because throughout the scriptures and throughout the Psalms, all he wants... It's for you to realize what you want Because he already knows what we need He already knew those blind men wanted to see That was obvious to everybody there So why did he ask the question? It's because he wants a relationship with you He wants an invitation from you He doesn't want to just Be there along for the ride He wants you to invite him in into all areas of your life. So we ask the question, what do you want me to do for you? When I talk to my students uh, on Wednesday nights, uh, it's about like once every couple weeks, I have a student that is just more disruptive uh, and, and a little more, uh, yeah, just disruptive, maybe obnoxious, maybe causing distractions or whatever, and I pull them aside and I ask them about their life and what's going on. And more times than not, they have a real issue. Their behavior is not the issue. Uh, there's a real issue. Something going on with their family. Something going on with their friends. Something going on inside of them that they need to resolve. And basically, every time that I'm with these students, every time I have these conversations, I ask them, what do you want God to do for you? Because he wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your raw, unfiltered prayers. He already knows what you need. Jesus says it. The Lord already knows what you need before you even say it. But he wants you to come to terms with who you are and come to terms with who he is so he can fill those voids in your life. And so I ask all my students, what do you want? What do you want the Lord to do for you? And then in that moment, I have them pray. And you will not believe the satisfaction that most of these students leave with. And that's the same satisfaction I want you all to leave with today. That we need to stop throwing things into the bottomless pit because a God-sized hole, an eternal hole, requires a God-sized God. Let's pray. Jesus... Thank you for having compassion on us. Thank you for seeing us in our situations, God, and choosing not to leave us there. And God, right now, I know uh, in this room, people people are evaluating themselves. And people know the things in their life where maybe they have not invited you into yet. God, these people know and I know the parts of my life that I need more of you in. And so, God, in this moment, I just pray uh, that we would be honest with you. That as you extend this question of what do you want me to do for you, God, that we would be uh, like these blind men and have the faith to say, you know what, my situation isn't ideal. And I want you to come and be a part of it. And God, I just pray for the people in here uh, who, uh, who maybe for the first time are hearing this answer to the emptiness that they've always been feeling, maybe uh, to the question of what their purpose was in this life. God, I pray that right now we would accept them into your family. God, that you would accept them into your family. God, that you would fill them with life, fill them with purpose, fill them with dreams and comfort and peace and fill them with the confidence of knowing that the God of the universe is asking them right now, what do you want me to do for you, God? And I pray that our response would be, that you would just be with us, that you would give us life, that we would do life with you. We thank you that you will respond to us. We thank you so much for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.